the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, uh, we are getting into some fantastic properties. Really excited about this. They don't really tie in together, but I don't care. I know John and I don't give any squats about it. There are two things that we are very excited to be discussing. We are going to be talking the 1990 film Tremors. We're also going to do a recasting of that movie. And then we are going to talk Greg the Bunny, the very short-lived show on Fox that kind of had some longer life on IFC. But yeah, they're two very, very different things. There's no ties on this episode. It's just two things that we love and we're happy to talk about. So, all right, everybody, um, let's get ourselves back into that wonderful year of 1990 when Tremors came out. John, what else happened? So the Billboard Top 100 uh, song for that week was Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. Twice, it's another day for you in paradise. Yeah, I like that. I had, I like Phil Collins' good stuff, man. And and it, everything he puts out sounds good, even if it's like not your like your most favorite song. It's like, oh, I can okay. listen to this. Yep, it's it, everything's listenable. Yep. Topping the Nielsen ratings was Cheers. Okay, not a surprise yep. at that time. And about one month after this movie came out, uh, Nintendo released what I consider to be their greatest video game of all time, which was Super Mario Brothers Three. Three. Yeah, I think when we both did our top ten um, Nintendo games, I think that topped both of our lists. Actually, I, yeah, yeah, I think so. It's still so much fun to play. Even yeah, it's very playable. <laughs> thirty something years later, thirty, forty years, however long it's been, too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was "The Dark Half" by Stephen King. Not one I've read of his. Okay, and my. Fun fact, I'm keeping this one simple for 1990. This was when we discovered Sue the T-Rex. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, was that in Colorado? I, I want to say it was in South Dakota. South Dakota, okay. I could well, be yeah, wrong. Somewhere. It was like the most complete skeleton yes. of a T-Rex that we'd ever found. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was 1990. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, battle the Graboids and talk Tremors. Tremors from 1990, directed by Ron Underwood. Uh, we also talked about him when we did... Did we do City Slickers? We did City Slickers, didn't we? I don't know that we have. <laughs> We've done so many. I kind of forget. I, I don't think we have, but that, that was definitely one that I know we talked about for a while. Uh, yeah, uh, but also directed Mighty Joe Young and actually quite a bit of TV directing uh, eventually shifted into that. Uh, this movie was written by S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. Uh, they also wrote things that I'm sure we talked about, uh, including Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included, mm-hmm. Ghost Dad and Wild Wild West, among other things. <laughs> so, uh, the cast for this film, Valentine, or Val, is played by Kevin Bacon, and we talked about him not too long ago with Footloose, but he's also been in Wild Things, Mystic River, yada yada yada. Earl was played by Fred Ward, and I remember him, honestly, besides this, of course, uh, from Joe Dirt and Road Trip. He was in those movies, and he's been in a bunch of stuff, though. Yeah. R.I.P. Fred Ward. 
Yep. Yeah. Not too long ago, right? Just like just a few like, years yeah, ago, last I year think. or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda is played by Finn Carter. She has not been in a whole bunch of stuff. Some small one-off roles on multiple different TV shows that you know of, but she hasn't really kind of hit anything else big besides this movie. Uh, Bert was played by Michael Gross, and he was the dad in Family Ties, uh, and he was in basically every single sequel of this one, which we will talk about and <laughs> different all the variations. So. Also played uh, Ted's dad in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, oh, that's right. I kind of forget that one. Yeah, Heather is played by Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. Yeah. Reba McIntyre. Uh, she is a country music legend, and honestly, honestly, she had a pretty decent sitcom called Reba. I, I, yeah. I did watch a little bit of that. She she uh, she had a, a pretty decent little acting career. Yeah, I'd say yeah, she's solid for for like a musician. It. it was it was I think respectable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Melvin is played by Bobby Jacoby. Uh, he was in that old show Knots Landing and in a lot of other small parts, but nothing else particularly big. Walter was played by Victor Wong. We talked about him in Big Trouble in Little China. He was also in all of the Three Ninjas movies as the grandfather. Uh, love Victor Wong. Such an interesting looking dude. Yeah. Miguel is played by Tony Gennaro. Uh, he had small roles in The Mask of Zorro, The Craft, La Bamba, among multiple other things. Nancy uh, is played by Charlotte Stewart. She was in Eraserhead and Little House on the Prairie and also Twin Peaks had reoccurring roles in, in those. And then I want to mention also Mindy, uh, played by Ariana Richards, who we definitely remember from Jurassic Park and Angus, and yep. one of my favorite movies that I've discussed. And then uh, Nestor, who is another one in the town, is played by Richard Marcus. He was in The Pretender, that show. Kind of forget that that show even existed. <laughs> uh, Enemy Mine, and he was also a recurring role on Saint Elsewhere. Oh. Um, so, so this film franchise you know it, this this movie did honestly not that well <laughs> no. it had a budget of 10 million dollars which is pretty decent and it only made 16 million in the box office but that's not where this movie did you know made its money back or like got its fame mm-hmm. that was on uh vhs you know rentals and also like tnt and tbs i remember without question this movie being on a lot as a kid yeah, probably because it it was considered a flop, so it was probably cheap for TV's uh, stations to buy, and so then it that was on sense. a lot. And that's honestly, I th- you kind of find that that's how some of these movies become cult classics. Honestly, The Wizard of Oz was not considered a classic until they started showing it all the time on every TV. Yeah, every Same year. thing with It's a Wonderful Life. It was a mm. flop. No one cared about that movie. But so it was cheap, so TV stations were able to buy it and show it every year at Christmas, yeah. which now it's considered a, a classic. I think it's boring as shit. I was going to say, I still don't <laughs> care about that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that makes So makes I think a lot, a lot of these smaller films got their second life uh, because they flopped. Um, yeah. Honestly, I hate to say it, a little bit for Shawshank as well. You oh, know, yeah. It, I mean, it, it wasn't a huge a, No, thing, and yeah. a lot of people consider one of the greatest films yep. of all time i myself consider it the greatest but that's my own opinion yep 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 absolutely so all right so the different sequels that this one because it eventually did find success it had was it seven seven sequels and a tv series so it's tremors two aftershocks aftershocks Tem- tremors three back to perfection <clears throat> tremors four the legend begins which is a big old prequel and it still has michael gross playing like uh, one of his ancestors like in the west that kind of oh, thing. oh geez 
Tremors 5, Bloodlines. Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. And then Tremors, Shrieker Island. And that last one came out just in 2020. So, I mean, they're, wow. they're still pretty recent, okay? I wouldn't be shocked if another one does come out. Yeah, that is uh, all the uh, massive amount of Tremors movies. Uh, the Graboid design for this film uh, was done by Amalgamated Dynamics, who is t- uh, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gills, who both of them learned under Stan Winston, uh, who was a great, but between the two of them and Amalgamated Dynamics, they worked on films like Jumanji, Starship Troopers, Mortal Kombat, Alien vs. Predator, uh, Prey, that recent uh, Predator franchise film, among many other things. So very accomplished on like kind of the creature design and and monster movie stuff. And uh, for anybody out there, pretty much all the Tremors stuff is available on Tubi right now. That's how I watched it. So it was easy enough to find. I didn't I couldn't find it. So I just rented it. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, it's on Tubi out there. So you do have to watch some ads, but it's really not worth it's totally worth it for me. I think I think I love the ones that are like, hey, it's free with some ads. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. That's how TV was back in the day. It makes total sense. Uh, anyway, our nostalgia, as we already talked about, has kind of been on these because of the the it was on TV all the time. But this was one that I feel we gravitated towards pretty well. Like, I remember watching this movie a damn good amount. Oh, yeah, yeah. a lot. We watched it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's one that the entire family liked. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I know Yumi and our sister, we all watched it. It was one that we could easily put on and just be happy with. Yeah. So, it was, I, to me, it's always been, because I, I know you and I, we're not huge horror movie fans. Yeah. I don't think our sister really is either. No. But this is kind of that, It's it's got the thriller element. It's got a little bit of the horror element. I mean, it kind of follows the, the Jaws line of, not yeah. seeing the monsters for a while, which which works, but also it's just cheesy enough just to make it fun. Exactly. Actually, that's a good. We've kind of had a nice little uh, a pathway in our movies because we started. We had Hook, and then we went to another Spielberg movie, Jaws, and this is basically Jaws on land. Right. And it is very much <laughs> you know they follow the same kind of formula, but it it's it does it work? I guess. Uh, spoiler alert: It does. <laughs> I can't even hold it back. <laughs> I can't even hold it back. I love this movie. So, all right. Um, anything else before we get going into our scene by scene breakdown? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well, as the movie starts, we begin in this desert town area, uh, in this like kind of deep valley. Uh, we meet Val and Earl and we see their kind of dynamic. They got a good, a little kind of, you know, good friendship, uh, their coworkers and, and whatnot. I do like that the first time we see Val, he's pissing off the cliff that we see at the very end. Ah, I didn't. I didn't even make that connection. But great call there. So and he's kind of messes with Earl, you know, like a faking a stampede. We just again seeing their kind of dynamic. Val is a little bit younger. Earl's a little bit older, but they're they're these um, handy men in town, kind of doing odd jobs around perfection, which is a absurdly tiny town. Um, like no town that small should even exist, especially that far away from everybody. <laughs> but, but they do. It does. They do. They do. I've driven through a few of them. Yeah, uh, Earl. We see he's just there. He's kind of wanting to get more out of life, and and uh, you know, Val. Oh, there's just one. This one shot I want to talk about. <laughs> I lo- I don't know if it was real or fake or how Kevin Bacon. You know, if he meant to do it, I think I think he kind of improved it. It's when they're working on that 
fence and he's using the hammer to hit down that nail and he misses like the first like 12 whacks and then he finally gets it and he's moving it's like so they're not even like great at probably what they do but it was such a kevin bacon moment it actually reminds me of that same moment we talked about in footloose where he kind of like he when he gets off of the tractor and it still kind of keeps moving like he kind of fumbles it was that real or not i don't know but it just it does a great job of kind of just talking about his character just on that little thing. <laughs> yeah. And kind of like how incompetent he really yes. kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's great. So uh, driving around, uh, they see this new female grad student who's uh, studying seismology. They're eager to meet her, particularly Val. He's expecting and hoping she's going to be this big old hottie. And when they see her, she's a nerd. <laughs> She's got, like, even the sunscreen nose. She's a hot nerd, but... Oh, she is a hot nerd. Yeah, exactly, because they downplay her. I mean, they're doing the she's all that stuff, you know, put glasses on her and mess up her hair a little bit, and she's not nearly as that, but yeah. uh, No, that actress uh, and Rhonda is very attractive, so... But she uh, sets up that she's been getting these strange readings from her her seismograph recently. It's like, huh, not sure what's going on. She thinks it might be broken. Who knows? We get some background on Earl as, or background on Val as Earl talks to him about like, you know, oh, you know, why don't you go after that her or something like that. And Val only likes like the the classic kind of 80s hottie, if you will, is kind of yeah. what he he's looking for. He, and he gives you a list. He does. <laughs> he wants all that kind of stuff. So he only cares about looks. So uh, they get into the town of perfection. Population of 14. It's a very small town. And uh, we meet Melvin, who is like the town annoying teen. Uh, and we meet Bert and Heather, who are kind of like these gun nuts, ap- apocalypse survivor types, those kind of people. Um, and Walter, who runs the town store. And we also get a nice little setup of the store's freezer motor is kind of on the fritz and it's making a bunch of noise, which will ultimately be his downfall. <laughs> so. Uh, we cut to seeing some ground shaking and Rhonda recording it. And then we get the POV shot. And we talked about this with Jaws. POV shot of something kind of like just like right near the ground coming towards her. And then we see something like kind of even underground. But she is uh, able to get into her car before it strikes. So just setting up nice slow build, ominous build of whatever this monster is. Which the funny thing about this is, is, is it's not technically a POV because the monster is right. under the ground. We do <laughs> it, we, and but even when we see under the ground, we don't see POV. We see kind of off to the side because you'll see the monster moving. You're right. We get the same idea, and I, I get that. But I, I know I'm kind of nitpicking here, but no, but you're you're dead on. You're dead on. It's not it's not technically a POV shot, but it's like this low angle that is moving as if it's a POV shot. But we don't really know much about the creature right now. But yeah, but technically. You know, it would be a fully underground shot. So, all right, Earl and Val do some trash work, and they're just in general they're tired of this life. You know, they want to set things higher. Uh, and then, the, good cut here. Let's see, we gotta set our sights higher. Cut to them doing septic work, uh, and then <laughs> that they end up getting cut. the shit sprayed all over them. And they're just they're fucking done with it, man. That's it. Cut to them. They're packing up. They're ready to head out. We meet Nancy and Mindy, kind of on their way out, and she wants to pay for them for a job. And she's you know, hey, this is gonna be like a month of work putting up this stuff, and I'll pay you lunch. I'll get you lunches and free beer. And they pass. They actually woo. They are so dedicated to getting out of town right now. Nothing is between them and this town, Bixby, we can, which is the closest big city, basically. On the drive out, uh, they notice this guy, Edgar, is high up on a power pole. You know, some, some dude who lives in the area. 
and they're like, oh my god, he's this dumb drunk. He's just passed out up there. All right, we got to go get him. And so they have to play rock, paper, scissors. We actually see them do that a couple times, you know, throughout the movie. Just a running thing that they do to decide who was going to have to do something. And uh, Val has to go up and climb to get him. And he sees that motherfucker's dead, John. (laughs) He is up there and he is dead. Uh, Cut to the local doctor who says he died of dehydration. That could take days. So he sat up there just basically waiting to die and die of dehydration. What the heck's going on? Something's something is strange afoot in perfection. Mm-hmm. By the way, fun fact. So unofficially, the smallest town in Nevada is a town called Puckerbrush, and there's 28 people. Uh, okay, but you so cannot if you if you looked on a map, you would not be able to find Puckerbrush anywhere because it doesn't officially <laughs> exist. Uh, officially, uh, the smallest town is called Gerlock, and it's 107 people. Okay. All right. Interesting. So yeah, it's just like unincorporated area, I guess. Yeah. Which were Puckerbrush. Puckerbrush. What a name. <laughs> well, there's a lot of weird yeah. names out here in Nevada, honestly. There are quite yeah. a few. Sure. I remember always driving. I always drive by when I, when I was living in LA, driving to Vegas. It's not a town, but it's that road. I see it every time. Zizix. Zizix, my favorite road of all time. <laughs> if I could steal that sign, I would totally get away. If I could get away with that, I would do it. I bet people have. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a cool. I, I actually saw that there was like a shitty horror movie called Zizix. Well, there's a. It leads to like. It used to lead to this. Uh, I think it was supposed to be like the spa thing, but now it's kind of like a little ghost town. Uh, I've never okay. driven down there, but like it's a place where somebody had built like a small resort or something like that. Yeah. Um, like probably back in the 50s or something like that. Uh, but now it's an abandoned area. Huh. Okay. But there's not. I mean, spelled- there's like nothing else there. Yeah. But it's spelled like ZZ. Y Z X something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh so then we cut and see this old farmer at his home, and he's got some sheep and whatnot, and then shit's going wild. Something pulls him down to the ground. And we also cut to the seismograph going wild. Like he's just getting getting pulled down. I mean, this is a good shot. This is good this is good quality kind of horror elements that they're putting yeah. into this, you know, or at least monster movie yeah. stuff. So uh, Earl and Val drive past these construction guys, uh, and then they get to that old farm guy's place, and he's nowhere. And the sheep are all kind of in pieces, you know, and they're part, parts of them only up in that. So and then they end up finding his head down in the dirt, and they are freaked out, you know, because they just saw the dehydrated dead, dead Edgar and now this old farmer, and they go drive past the construction guys and warn them. There's like some murder around. There's some, some shit's going down, and then they drive out. And of course, those uh, right at that time, the uh, construction guys say, I just think they're just messing with him, kind of. Uh, and then that guy who's jackhammering hits something, you know, definitely fleshy down yeah. under the ground. You kind of see some blood spurt up. And then his jackhammer just bolts on his own. <laughs> and he's very confused. And it ends up entangling him in it. And he gets kind of drug over this kind of cliffside and he dies. And then the other dude, because of all that happening, was trying to go rush after him. He gets killed from a rock slide. Oh, shit. I mean, I'd rather die from a rock slide than what the other guy had to deal with. Yeah, exactly. He was drug around and then chomped on. Yeah. So back in perfection, Earl and Val warn the rest of the town about this, you know, serial killer or something that's going on. Um, But the phone is out and, you know, they're having the CB radios can't get past, you know, the mountains because they're in this valley. And so they have to drive to Bixby. So they head out, but they're stopped by this rock slide that is now blocking the only road out of town, basically. 
shit, you know, there's, they then see parts of the dead construction workers. And so again, they're assuming this murderer is close. So they're freaked out. So they drive off, but the truck gets stuck on something as they're trying to head out. He's almost going to burn the clutch out, but he eventually, uh, Val is able to pull the truck away and they get back to town. And when they park, everyone sees this weird thing, this snake like thing hanging from their truck. It's like, what the heck is it? Of course, Walter, who is the town shop guy, offers him 15 bucks for it eventually. First five, and then they negotiate. <laughs> it gets 15 bucks. But they're all just unsure what it is. Um, but they're worried that these are the things that are killing people, that there's more of them out there. That night, uh, the doctor and his wife are working on their house. Uh, and we see the generator that they've got seemingly just stops working for some reason. It's gone. It's sunk underground. Like they pull the cable and it's just like, pulls off on its own and then it gets spit out and the docker doctor ends up getting grabbed and he gets pulled under and honestly i think this scene was was a pretty frightening scene (laughs) yeah i I think out of all of them this one is probably the actually most terrifying i'd say the the wife did a fantastic job because she is obviously she's just freaked out her husband is getting sucked underwater he's screaming for his life yeah and just no idea what the hell is going on so it's I mean, a very good it, performance. Yeah. And from the get go, she's like, let's get out of here. And he's the idiot yeah. who's like, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's this. Mm-hmm. If you saw something like that happen, why would you go and <laughs> just, just <laughs> get out? If it is a gas pocket, like he said, get yeah. away from it. Exactly. It might blow you uh, blow you up. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but then she sees like those snake things that come kind of from the ground. So she has to run to her car, but there's not, the key is not in the car. Uh, but then the door locks them up and she thinks she's safe for a second, you know, but she's able to get like kind of the lights on and the battery. Cause I guess back then sometimes cars were wacky <laughs> and you could turn on the, the battery or whatnot, but without the key. Right. Yeah. So whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care. What is awesome though, which is freaky is she's in the car and the snakes end up kind of basically pulling down that car and she is slowly getting pulled underground as well inside the car. Walter sells pictures of the snake monster and all that stuff, and it's just kind of cute. They're not really sure what the heck that thing is, but Bert warns them they they got to arm up to fight these things, and you know these people are they're all on their own right now because again they're trapped in this valley. Uh, Miguel thinks of the horses. Walter's got horses, so hey, we can head out of town on those. Um, and Val and Earl are the best on them, so they get prepped to go. They get some guns. Uh, they only got like a little pistol and like a and a one good rifle, but Heather gives Earl a nice, better one. It's just a nice little scene because we see how competitive Earl and Val are at stuff, and I kind of like that. Melvin fakes being attacked by the snake, and everybody's freaked out at first. This is obviously setting up the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. We're getting that a couple times here. But they head out on horseback, and they get to the doctor's place. And they can hear a radio somewhere. What the hell's going on? They start kind of digging a little bit. We're in you know, some, obviously, some messed up earth. And they find this car is buried underground, and so they fucking bolt. They are definitely more and more freaky shit is happening. And so uh, while they're riding, the horses end up getting scared, and they get tossed from the horses, which we then see uh, one of these snake monsters or multiple of these snake monsters pulling them underground. Holy shit. I will say, watching this movie in HD, 
I did absolutely see there was with one of the horses. You see, there's a thing where the horse is like trying to be up and it falls back down as the snake's getting him. Mm -hmm. I see the cable that they pulled the horse down with. (laughs) I just noticed it this time. I was like, ah, okay, a little bit of the movie magic lost, but it's totally fine. I mean, you can in some in some cases you can like you can kind of see like the snakes like the fabric. Yeah, you can sure. tell like the way it's moving. It's it's not really fleshy. It's more like a fabric around something or something like that. Uh-huh. But you know, it's a it's it's a fun movie. You let it go. Exactly. Uh, and then here busts up, you know, from the ground. It is not just these snake monsters. These little snake monsters are look more like little tentacles from the mouth. It's this big old fucking like massive slug looking thing or something that uh, that's underground. It's crazy. And so they got to run and they make it to the. They're trying to run the fuck away they get to like this kind of waterway a cement wall kind of thing um and so they run that and the monster that was chasing him ends up fucking nailing hitting its head right in the wall and it basically it, the damn thing killed itself you know for as for as easily as that thing can navigate it underground you'd think it would have known that there was a wall there but you know whatever you would think so uh, but i do like kevin bacon's we killed it fuck you Fuck you! <laughs> he yells right at it. Which is the only fuck, I think, in the movie, because it's PG-13. But there's obviously some other ones that they ADR'd to, I, mate, to keep this PG-13. I was literally just going to bring that up. So originally there was like 20 F-bombs. You can tell. You can yeah. see that they, they dubbed my, them. My favorite one is Mother Humper. Mother, yes, they, Mother Humper a couple uh, times. The one, the one at the very end when he goes, can you fly, you sucker? That was originally fucker. Um, yeah. There's, you know, I think when they find the sheep, originally they said like, what the shit or something like that. There's there's a whole bunch of them that, that they... 80 yard to get the rating because uh, down to PG 13 because uh, it was yeah. it was given an R rating just for language which is is a bit ridiculous but what you gonna do you know yeah what you gonna, I mean I get it and I guess they you know that PG 13 money you can get a little bit more out of it which even that they didn't get a whole bunch but right <laughs> so all right uh, at least not uh, in the theater no at least not in the theater uh, Rhonda pops up and she sees this weird thing and so they examine it and. She kind of, you know, she's the scientist, if you will. Obviously, she's a seismologist, so she uh, knows a little bit more. And she's kind of there examining it. She's trying to figure it out. And they also see how big it is. It's a huge thing, man. It moves really well under this under this ground. So uh, Rhonda makes a realization kind of with her seismograph readings that there's three more of these things. Just, you know, what the reading, different readings it was getting. So there's a lot more of these. So they got to get to her truck. Uh, but she sees the machine is going, the seismograph is going right now, and so they have to run, and they're able to get to some high boulders, uh, so it can't reach them, but now they're stuck, they're stuck on these rocks, and even just a few hours later, they aren't sure, like, you know, is this thing still here? Then they have a nice little discussion about where these things come from, you know, are these mutated radioactive things, or were they from space, or other kind of stuff? I don't know, I just kind of like that discussion. But they come to the realization that these things just still wait for you this is what happened to edgar they waited him out that's why he never got down because they were still constantly down there um waiting him out and Rhonda theorizes that they sense seismic vibrations and that's how they are because they don't have any eyes um they probably have these little feelers or something that that probably uh that's how they're finding their prey is through the sounds under underground Mm. so and they can even probably even more so here through the boulder because it's like a conductor for them so they know that the guy that they're up there so 
Uh, in the morning, they test again, and yeah, it's still there. Uh, Val and Earl bicker about a plan, uh, but Rhonda's like, you know what? I think I've got something. And so she uh, finds these long poles, and they're able to... I was going to say pole dance, but it is... Uh, <laughs> They have to uh, pull, vault. pull vault from boulder to boulder. And actually kind of like there's like nice little music that goes along as they do it. So yeah. they do get to the truck and they're able to barely get out, you know, because it attacks the truck just as they get there. They're uh, safe for now. Uh, back in the town, everyone's having trouble believing all this. Uh, Walter wants to name them something. I love this. You know, uh, Rada tells them all her theories, all this kind of stuff. And Val shows that they are on the path, you know, that they're kind of making their way towards the rest of the town. Um, and here Walter comes up with. That's what I like. Graboids. That's it. Graboids. Graboids. That's what we'll call them. <laughs> I love that name because it's such a stupid name. But that's right. the name that the franchise went with. To call these things, <laughs> so they're get, like I think it's for like the rest of the entire films. They're called grab graboids, um, but then they have different variations. I watched a couple of those movies. I don't know if you did any of those sequels. The, oh no, I've not seen a single sequel, and I probably never will. I've seen at least one because I remember. I think I, honestly, I think I might have seen two because I remember there's ones where they apparently they either mutate again or some shit like that to where they're. I think they were called shriekers where they can walk they can they can get on land and they can walk and they yell really loud or something they use kind of like almost like echolocation and like you know high frequency yelling and then there i saw another one where they can fly so they they have different you know mutations and other weird stuff but the ones underground i think are always called graboids you know down the line yeah so Melvin, again, does another fucking fake scream, you know, as if he's getting attacked just to mess with people because he's a he's an annoying little teenager. Uh, but again, that's kind of two. We set that up again. So uh, Mindy is doing uh, pogo down the street and everybody's, you know, kind of freaked out because, hey, we got to get off of the ground. Like, don't make noises on the ground. Um, Melvin gets outside. He's playing with his basketball. His basketball gets sucked under and he screams. This is the three, and Earl is pissed off. He's going to go kick his ass, <laughs> but he sees him up a pole, and he is scared, and he's even bleeding from his leg. So You know what? I did not notice until this viewing that he was actually bleeding. So he was actually attacked, yeah. Yes, because that wasn't the focal point of the shot. The focal point of the shot is like kind of almost, it's a slow, it's like a slow zoom in yeah. on him and on his face, but you see like part of his jeans are missing and like he's bleeding in his leg or something yep, like that. Exactly. Which I never noticed before. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously he's been fully attacked and so uh, they're all freaked out right now. The Graboids end up like, busting up stuff and you know they're able to get inside the store but even the store is shaking these graboids are really really testing out everything they hear mindy's pogo you know they see it moving towards her and val has to run and he pulls her off and saves her the pogo stick gets taken under and then shot up again you know because it's not actual food and so they have to run into their house uh and val gets to his truck which starts to get pulled under and so Another one then comes in, so there's two of them here right now. Uh, and then Rhonda trips on barbed wire, and she's, you know, she was trying to run around too. And so she gets in a, caught up in barbed wire, so Val has to run to her, get, you know, uses a pickaxe to hit the fucking <laughs> graboid. It's all fun madness. Uh, honestly, I think this entire thing was a setup to try and get Rhonda and get her pants off. I think the entire. <laughs> 
entire yeah. shot. And it says that uh, Finn Carter intentionally didn't rehearse the scene. Uh, that way, uh, the response that she got from Kevin Bacon of having to, or her response to having to undress in front of Kevin Bacon was yeah. actually kind of authentic. Okay. So cool. she did it on, on. She intentionally didn't rehearse it so that it was as much authentic uh, re- reaction as you could get. Yeah, well, she looks good in, in her underwear. Not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but uh, they do get her pants off and they have to run back to the store. And this is a great, this is like a trailer shot here. I think it's a really right. good shot where they're running down the store. It's kind of almost like, almost like a boardwalk towards the store. And right. you see the different, you know, the the um, the boards kind of flying off and kind of like coasting up as they're, as, they're, as the uh, graboid is coming towards them. So great shot, but they are able to get in. And we do kind of see some romantic, maybe not tension, but just looks between Rhonda and Val as he helps her kind of patch up her wounds and things like that. And then that damn freezer, that compressor goes again, and it starts making this noise. And obviously, this is how the Graboids are hearing this stuff. It busts up through the floor and grabs poor Walter, pulling his ass in. And he's Uh. dead. Son of a bitch! That's the only death i'm like you know i'm not necessarily you know, i'm not crying over it but i'm like oh poor walter yeah yeah exactly poor walter uh he was lovable but they graboids end up attacking and they all have to get to higher ground so they've got to get to the roof uh, Rhonda, in all the madness got thrown out a window uh and so she's able to get up onto the water tower yes everyone is kind of safe for now uh melvin has to get up on obviously on his on the shed roof that he's currently at and they uh, tell the others to get up on their roof. And then we cut to Bert and Heather, who are at their place. They were just kind of scouting out. They get to their sh- their place, and Heather sees everyone on the roof. It's weird. They, you know, like, what the heck is going on? They call them on the CB, and Val tries to explain, hey, you got to get up on your roof. Get out of, you know, get off the ground, things like that. Um, but Heather decides to start making ammo, I guess is what she's doing right there. I think I think she's cleaning the brass. Okay. With the in- with the intention that they'll reuse the brass by refilling it with powder and then crimping a new uh, bullet in there. Okay. How I how, think that's what that I think that's what that machine is for. How often can you reuse, you know, the the shells? Pretty I mean, it's pretty easy. Cuz don't don't uh, doesn't it, you know, when it, when it hits it with the pin, does it not uh like So there's the f- well, there's the firing pin. You can replace the firing pin. Oh, okay. Okay. So so it doesn't actually adjust the like the the shell. At all. No, no, no! You can reuse. I, I've bought, I've bought refurbished ammo. Okay. Often, there, if you know, if 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 someone doesn't know what they're doing when they redo it, you can have problems with it not firing correctly, or okay. if they put too much, it could be explosive. So, I mean, you have to, you know, there's like a there's a ratio that you have to follow. But okay, I myself don't haven't done this because you, you have you need more special equipment that i just don't want to spend sure. money on and these people they this is the stuff that they love <laughs> well yes and and they're trying to be self-sufficient so they're yeah. gonna reuse whatever they can yeah exactly but of course whatever that machine is that you know cleans all that stuff is uh, really loud and so mm-hmm. the graboids are coming for them and they start to arm up but they you know they don't see what's going on at first and I- then I do like the reveal in this shot in this scene when it when it busts through their wall. No, well, no, the reveal of uh, the reveal of their wall. Oh yes, you don't tons. you don't see it 
yeah. until they move to that wall. Exactly, yeah. When the one busts out and they had to get to that wall, you see all this stuff. This is one of the best scenes in the entire movie. Right. As the Graboid has busted through their basement and it's trying to get them and you see like, you know, all the tentacles coming after them and they are just unloading on them. <laughs> and it's I- gun after gun, clip after clip. Yeah, magazine after magazine. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> what, what's the difference? What's the difference? Okay, so uh, what, you, what you're thinking of, the thing that you kind of insert like into the bottom, that's a magazine. A clip, how do I describe it? It's a very specific thing, and only a few guns have it. Um, it's kind of like, it's like this little thing that you slide the bullets on, and then you slide it. I, I, don't, I, could, sh- I could show oh, you a photo okay. of it. Yeah, um, you, you, is it like like for like old like kind of World War One or old, two rifles? It, yeah, mostly it's only older guns that actually have. I, I think that I've seen. Mechanism. Yeah, I've played enough Call but of Duty. One where you one where you're putting a bullet into uh, like a casing thing, and uh-huh. then the casing goes into the gun. That's a magazine. So it's it's and, and they're fed, not called it, clips ever. No, is it? they're not. <laughs> no, they're called magazines, not clips. God damn. <laughs> Except for Nerf. Nerf officially calls theirs clips. Hey, that's that's probably why I get how I got my vernacular. But so. what I wanted to say about the scene is one thing I, I really like is is you see it break through and then it cuts back to Val and you hear over the radio, whatever. Oh God! Whatever bur- yeah. Like oh God! Yeah. And then it cuts and then they don't immediately go back. No. They stay on them and then you just hear crack, crack. Just the crack in the distance before they go back to the chaos. Mm-hmm. I think actually really adds to the tension of the scene. I agree, absolutely. And so, yeah, they eventually, they're just shooting the shit out of this thing, eventually gets to an elephant gun, uh, and that's what gets it. And we get a wonderful little one-liner from Bert. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Love that line. So, all right, uh, now on the roof, uh, they're trying to, you know, Bert and Heather trying to get penetration down, you know, through the ground, but that's not going to do it. You know, they have to actually shoot the, the guy shoot those graboids, you know, head on. Uh, Rhonda notices that one of them is feeling out the store beneath us, trying to find weaknesses. These motherfuckers are smart, John. All right, Nestor, yeah, this other guy in town, uh, he's, you know, up on his mobile home, and as these things are smart, it found a way to attack and pull over and push over his mobile home, and he tries to first climb onto a tire. You know, he's just scared. He doesn't know what to do, and uh, that's way too... Not way not high enough for him, and so he ends up getting killed, and they get pulled off. Uh, he gets pulled off dead. So Nestor is pretty much only there to die uh, in the entire movie. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. I found a better description of, of how to describe a clip versus magazine. <laughs> okay, okay. So some, I mean, some current mag or some current uh, firearms have this, but most older ones have what's called an internal magazine. The magazine is where the bullets are housed as they're being fed into the chamber. So. Uh, I have like an older, not, not older, but it's an older looking, uh, like a lever action uh, rifle. Yeah, I, sh- so I, you think have I shot to, that one with you. Yes, you have. So you have to load the ammo into a tube. Yeah. Yep. The I tube that. itself is called the magazine. Okay. Because it's housing the bullets before it gets moved into the chamber. And so it, uh, if you have like an AR 15, that little, that kind of, you know, the thing that you shove into the bottom is housing the bullets as it's getting fed. So that's why it's called a magazine. A clip is a thing that basically holds the bullets that you use then to insert into a magazine. Most guns don't use that nowadays. Okay. So that's why we that, that has fallen out of favor because we don't actually use clips anymore. That's why. Does that make more sense? It's like a, it it's does. Like a, okay. I, I, I get that. 
I'm probably not going to change the way I say things. (laughs) (laughs) Just letting you know. Uh, Calling Ken Johnson. Help me out here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ken, get my back on this one, right? Nobody cares. Do they? He's gonna. He always takes your fucking side. <laughs> well, with this, he's definitely gonna take my side. Hey guys, it's Ken, sometimes wartime correspondent and amateur flugelhorn enthusiast, and also proprietor of the Menace Destruction podcast. Here to provide a little bit of thoughts on the clip versus magazine debate. Now, I always err on the side of if it's a magazine, it's a magazine. If it's a clip, it's a clip. Now, most movies and TV shows from the early 80s all the way up till today use these terms interchangeably. Now, if you're a blowhard or a douchebag, you get really mad and start yelling at people. Or you start your own podcast and you do the exact same thing. But I digress. A clip actually is a type of ammunition containment uh, unit that was used mostly with like M1 Garands and earlier firearms like that, which is why you hear the ting when the firearm runs empty. A magazine is a box, usually of metal or wood, that contains ammunition that is inserted inside a firearm, and that is what is used. So, again, guys, magazine is one thing, clip is another. Don't be an asshole, and if you do, listen to my podcast, Max Destruction, where I put two 80s action heroes against each other using math, and we figure out who wins. Thanks. All right, back to the movie. Yeah, Nestor's dead. And, you know, they have to call Bert and Heather and the, the plan, you know, was to is to get in their truck and get them out to take this Jeep trail and their their truck can do it. Their uh, SUV can do it. But the Graboids, apparently the Graboids heard that and <laughs> the, the truck wasn't even moving at the time. It, was, it didn't even make any sense, but they destroy it. So, again, these things are smart. Uh, but you just this is not something that you. you you have to just allow, you know, you're not right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat it up on how, how, you know, how smart are these actual things versus not, but you know, whatever. So Earl thinks maybe that bulldozer, you know, with the, uh, with the old semi trailer, uh, that it's, if it pulls it, you know, that, that, uh, that could take everybody, but it's far away. And so they have to make a plan to distract the graboids with this small little like mower, a little tractor, uh, as someone can run for the bulldozer. So Val and Earl bicker about who's going to make the run, and they do a little rock, paper, scissors, and Earl wins, and so he's going to do it. But Val sucker punches him, and he makes the run instead because he's faster. So uh, the tractor gets turned over. Uh, sorry, as the tractor goes that Miguel kind of set up on its way, it ends up getting turned over. So the Graboids are now f- starting to head towards Val, uh, and Val and Rhonda has to yell for him to stop moving. Uh, apparently, you know, because of the seismic vibrations that they sense, if he stops moving, that might help him. And so he has to kind of hide from them, if you will. But they're trying to search the graboid snake things are looking for him on the ground. Uh, so they have to distract him by hitting the ground and um, all this kind of shit. Uh, she's able to Rhonda's able to kind of get the water pipe busted that eventually does distract them and sends them the other way. He is able, Val is able to get the bulldozer. He's able to get the trailer attached and he gets everybody. He gets all the, all the people who are left alive and Bert and Heather as well. And Bert and Heather take a lot of time bringing the stuff into the stuff. They're bringing all these bombs. They're, they're the very well-prepared people. All right. So they all uh, head towards the mountain and it's this full kind of granite rock, granite rock mountain. And so, um, though the Graboids are being weird, they're kind of like, you know, you see some like kind of puffs of smoke or puffs of like dust 
way off in the distance. And they're like, huh, hey, what's going on? But that, sir, was a distraction. Because, again, these Graboids are way fucking smarter than these people know. And they set a trap. They dug a hole right in the path that the uh, tractor was going, that the bulldozer was going. And so everybody falls out. And they have to do some more fighting. Uh, Bird ends up lighting a bomb. And uh, which... Uh, they that scares them away, and so they're all able to run towards these boulders. They scare them away. I do like, you know, uh, want to ask. What the hell's in those things, Bert? Few household chemicals in the proper proportion. What's in those things? He's like, a oh, few household chemicals in the proper proportions. So, yep. That's good stuff. So they all make it to the boulders barely, but now they're stuck on these boulders. And so they're, holy shit, well, they still have two of these graboids out and about. And how, they're gonna, how are they going to do them? How are they going to, you know, kill them? And, and and survive later uh you know they're not feeling too great bert just talks you know what when it's my time to go as opposed to dying from dehydration he's like i'm just gonna walk out there with one of these bombs lit let them suck me under and boom baby and that gives earl an idea he's like you know what no let's go fishing like and so they have some rope obviously i guess uh and they've got these bombs and so earl ties one to a rope and they toss a lit one out there, and they go fishing, and they kind of pull it through the ground, and it sucks it down, and it blows up the bastard. Oh, shit. They've only got <laughs> one left. But uh, they're going to try that again. But this time, John, it's not just anyone. It's it's the same one that they've kind of set up as the main Graboid, the one that uh, they call Stumpy, uh, that has tried that pulled their truck at the very beginning. You can tell because yeah. part of its snake head is ripped off. So, yep. uh, But this one's too smart. So it sucks down the bomb and then spits it out right back towards them in the boulders where the other bombs are, landing perfectly with that, blows up everything to shit. And so they had to jump off the rocks to run away, of course, but a couple people are still out there. And it's Val, Earl, and uh, Rhonda are out there while everyone else is kind of on the boulders. And so the boulder people are trying to distract it to bring it to them. But this one's, again, too smart. Uh, Val is luckily holding one of the last bombs in his hand uh, and so they just want him to scare it off with the bomb and so that way he they can run to the boulder and they can re regroup and figure out something there but he's not gonna do this he's gonna hero this shit so he takes off running he's got a goddamn plan <laughs> he's gonna run and earl runs with him and then Rhonda, who's got the lighter uh that we had seen from earlier she is has to run with them as well and so they're uh, running towards the cliff that you so perfectly mentioned was one that he was pissing off of at the beginning mm-hmm. and he they lights the bomb he throws it but it's behind the thing which is exactly what Val wanted. And the bomb goes off and it gets scared. You kind of see it even go faster because it's so much so scared. And then we get not a train dodge, but a graboid dodge. <laughs> and and uh, Kevin Bacon has to dodge the graboid. Can you fly, you sucker? Can you fly? Can you fly, you sucker? Uh, which is not sucker, as you said. Right. Oh, I mean, it is, but originally wasn't so and it goes out the side of this cliff and it dies on its impact on the ground so yeah what it's uh it's fun everyone is safe uh later the police make it to town i guess and earl and val are gonna go take one of them to the city they're gonna become famous 
um, and kind of just figure out what the heck this thing is. And some romantic tension with Val and Rhonda. And at first, Val doesn't know how to, doesn't want to make a move. And then he eventually gets to her and he gives her a kiss. And the movie ends. And we get a nice little Reba McIntyre song, Why Not Tonight, playing as the credits roll. Well, pardon me, but you've had my attention. Uh, John, start us off, man. And also, did you happen to show this one to the rest of the family? Yep, we all watched it together. Okay. Uh, just a, a couple other like little fun facts I, I just kind of sure. wanted to, to mention. Uh, first of all, so Ron Underwood was originally like completely uninterested in Reba McIntyre auditioning. Oh. Uh, because he was sick of celeb of like non acting celebrities uh, wanting to, and so but he such a but good he, job. He, so he begrudgingly let her do it, and then just was immediately impressed. Yeah, with her. So the sounds that they created for the graboids have been used in a lot of other films. Oh. Uh, and it gave me a list of Predator Two, Starship Troopers, Ants, Mosquitoes, Eight Legged Freaks, and Kong Skull Island, huh. just to kind of name a, a, a few of them. So that's kind of uh, fun. Yeah, I had so much fun revisiting this film. I knew I was going to have fun if for as silly as it was. I think the rest of my family, I mean, I know my wife enjoyed it because she liked it when she was a kid as well. I mean, she grew up on the same kind of stuff we did. My son, surprisingly, I don't know, maybe it's that surprisingly, yeah. but he, he enjoyed it because he enjoyed the humor of it. I think my daughter was disappointed it wasn't scarier because she's a big, yeah, she she's a big horror too. movie person. But... She did watch it with us and watched okay. it all the way through. I think she liked it. I don't know. It's kind of hard to gauge with her sometimes. Um, but my son definitely enjoyed it. I had a blast revisiting yeah. this film. It's so much fun. The cheese is great. Everything about it is great. I, I don't even care that in HD I can still I can see the things that, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you know it doesn't it doesn't take it doesn't honestly it doesn't detract at all from any of the stuff. So I I love this film. Yeah, it's uh, I'm right there with you. Um, it's probably been maybe five years since I've seen it, but it's such a phenomenal movie. The writing is great. The mix of humor and kind of you know the horror monster movie elements is just it works blended perfectly. I, it's it's damn near a perfect movie to me. It's just one that it just it hits on all different chords, and it's just, I just I love it. I you know I could I can honestly make this a yearly watch, and then mm-hmm. never get tired of it. Uh, incidentally, uh, for a long time, Kevin Bacon considered this like his most embarrassing film. Like he oh, was wow. when he was filming it, he was not happy. He only took it because he he uh, his wife was pregnant, and then they, you know they needed the money, and he kind of was embarrassed by it. And then he's quoted; he's been quoted as saying that at this point there are a lot of uh, movies that he's. Oh wait, hold on, I got the quote right here. Uh, when I was making Tremors, I was very depressed in a low point in my life, and I kind of blamed Tremors for all that. I was bitter against it and thought it was a career killer. I never watched my movies more than once. Some of my movies I've never seen and have no desire to, but I've watched Tremors a dozen times. I love it so much. I spent years trying to capture the same energy we had on Tremors. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Nice. That's so good. Fi- he, so- he finally come around and realized yeah. how good it actually is. Yeah. And yeah, very much so. All right, now we are moving on to a totally different property, other than uh, kind of puppeted creatures. How about that? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> sure. There's a tie. There's a tie-in. And we are talking Greg the Bunny. Uh, this show was from 2002. It only had 11, or it had one season, 
11 episodes on Fox, but then it did directly move to IFC after that for two unaired episodes from Fox and then two seasons of shorts, which totaled 20 more episodes. Uh, so it kind of had to do things. I remember the Fox show. I didn't really watch the IFC stuff. I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, it was created by Spencer Chinoy and Dan Milano. Uh, Dan Milano also helped out with uh, Robot Chicken and some stuff, and they all worked together. I'll explain kind of how the origins of the show happened. I'm basically just pulling some of this stuff from Wikipedia, but mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting. And Greg the Bunny was specifically created by a character. The character was created by Sean Baker, uh, who mostly did like indie mu- indie movie stuff. Uh, looks like after this to me. Cast for this show. Uh, Gil is played by Eugene Levy. He's a comedic legend, I think. You know, what a great yeah. comedy movie guy between American Pie films and all the Christopher Guest movies and, and Schitt's Creek and yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy was by Seth Green, who we talked about him in Buffy. Uh, family guy, he voices Chris and Robot Chicken stuff he created. Uh, just tons of stuff from Seth Green, of course. Mm-hmm. Junction Jack by the amazing Bob Gunton, and I completely forgot he was on the yeah. show until I watched it for this. I, f- I sometimes forget like how stacked this cast really was. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and Bob Gunton, we talked about him on Shawshank Redemption, but he's also in Patch Adams. He was in 24. Tons of stuff Yeah, Bob Gunton. Uh, Allison is played by Sarah Silverman, and she's also, I mean, stand-up well-known awesome stand-up mm-hmm. person she had her own show the Sarah Silverman program she voices uh the kid in Wreck-It Ralph films yeah uh, she's great and she looked damn good in this show <laughs> she did <laughs> I'm like I kind of forgot I texted our buddy Corey over at podcasting after dark I was like dude I'm watching Greg the Bunny and I forgot how hot Sarah Silverman <laughs> is slash was and I was like right. damn so anyway that's a that's a here there people all right sure. just a little insight into my brain <laughs> uh, Greg the Bunny and Warren the Ape were both voiced by Dan Milano. Uh, he is one of the creators. Um, and he also did a lot of voices on Robot Chicken and among amongst other stuff as well. So, uh, Dottie Sunshine is played by Dinah Spivey Waters. Uh, she has been in some decent stuff like uh, Just Like Heaven, the Haunted Mansion movie, which isn't that decent, the Freaky Friday movie, which is mediocre, and the not so good Striptease movie with Demi Moore. That's not good. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, and there were some other puppets in the show as well, and you get some other kind of voice actors and things like that. Not not any of the huge kind of voice actors with it, but still some solid people. So, mm-hmm. John, you're the one who kind of specifically wanted to talk Greg the Bunny. Why are we discussing this show? So I cannot remember how I found this show, but I have the DVD set, the complete okay. DVD set, and that's... Uh, and it was when I was in, I think I got it sometime either in college. I was, I'm, I was in college. I can't remember when in college that I picked it up, but it was, you know, it was at the time when I, you know, we were too poor to pay for cable. So we just had DVDs. We'd often go to Blockbuster because they'd, they'd sell used DVDs and yeah. stuff like that. Or I would just, you know, find ones that were on D. I would just get a bunch of DVDs, even if it was something I'd never seen before. And I cannot remember how I found this. And, or if I even saw anything from this before I bought the DVD. I just can't I, It just existed in my life at some point. <laughs> okay. But I it used to I used to watch the whole series because, I mean, it was only like, what, how many seasons? One? One two. season. Well, One season. If, you yeah. the, if you count the, uh, the IFC yeah, but, stuff, and, a couple more. No, because IFC stuff's not in the DVD uh, oh, okay. thing. So it's so just yeah, the one, one season. So yeah. I would just watch it 
uh, you know, all the way through a lot. I watched it with I've watched it with commentary. I watched the whole thing, and then I hadn't watched it in probably twenty years. Oh wow! Yeah, until and but I still had the DVD, so I I threw that in to revisit it. Uh, yeah. I definitely have seen this before because um, even just like kind of rewatching it for this, I was like, oh, I, I actually remember these some of these jokes. Mm-hmm. So I saw it may, and maybe honestly, I watched it at your place. You might have shown me the DVD and I watched through it. I, I wouldn't probable. be shocked. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the plot for this show in general. Um, so on the Fox show, uh, Greg becomes the co-star of this children's TV show called Sweet Knuckle Junction. And it's kind of like the Muppet Show and uh, Greg the Bunny and the puppets and whatnot. It's, they're like real characters in this world. They're like just like the Muppets. They're actual living characters. Yes, but they're and, they're referred to as puppets. Yes, yeah, but they I mean, are. It's like like think Futurama with robots, you know, or whatever. Sure. They're just like they're another living. I'm sorry, kind of part. fabricated Americans. You're right. No, they don't like puppets. They like fabricated Americans. Exactly. That's the more PC uh, version. Um, but yeah, so I mean, things, you know, the the show is about, you know, how their little, you know, fake uh, fictionalized show and world goes and and how f- uh, fabricated Americans are dealing with second class citizenship and shit like that. I don't know. Just but right. all in a comic comedic wrap up. And it, it was billed as like an adult adult puppet comedy. Right. So how the show got started, uh, there was a show like way back on a, on a public access TV sh- or TV station called Junk Tape uh, that was created by Sean Baker, Spencer Chinoy, and Dan Milano. So they all worked together on that mm-hmm. public access show, uh, and it aired in New York on in Manhattan's neighborhood we uh, network, um, and eventually got a, uh, attention from the Independent Film Channel and was given its own series of regular seg- segments. Uh, starring kind of the characters from that junk tape show, particularly Greg the Bunny. Uh, and then, uh, and that's kind of how things got started. And then eventually Fox kind of got the attention and, and picked it up. And then, um, so it's lasted for just that one season. Uh, so the, uh, they had two unaired episodes. So it only aired like 11 episodes on Fox. And then those two went over to IFC. And its failure was kind of ascribed to, the runners, the the showrunners, and the networks kind of not really understanding the direction of the show, and like not really, it didn't maybe a little bit of ahead of its time, but I, I mean, think terrible. Yeah, that's, I mean, because this was this this was after like uh, Family Guy, yeah, came in and actually they had that show Unhappily Ever After, which was also it was kind of like um, Married with Children, but if Al Bundy had a had a rabbit puppet friend, did you ever watch Unhappily Ever After? I I never did. I, I remember it, I but it. I never wasn't there. I wasn't there. Like, wasn't it the same? Like, there was like the hot daughter. Uh, yes, there was. That it was that was she was played by. Oh, was that redhead? I was just saying she was a redhead. That's that's she as was much the as hot redhead. I can't remember her name, but yes. Okay, Nikki Cox. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and he but he had like the the Al Bundy type had uh, this this rabbit friend. How, shit, it lasted a hundred episodes, five okay. seasons, a hundred. I forgot. Oh, wow, ninety five to ninety nine. I forgot. I, that's a success. It was yeah. on the WB. Okay. Honestly, my opinion is I don't know how this didn't become a multi-season show. Like, yeah, there was plenty of other things that were. It was Fox for God's sake. They were known for their, yeah, kind of pseudo crass programming. Anyway, I and I think I think honestly this could have led, could have leaned into the crass more, and I think that was 
probably, or from what I saw, some of the issues were there. They were kind of toning down some of the edgier aspects. With these kind of things, lean into the crass. You know, right. if, if you're an adult puppet show for me, lean into the into stuff. I mean, right. it was definitely more adult than like Muppet Show, and right. they had some. I loved how they actually kind of addressed and talked about like the Muppets and Sesame Street characters. And they're talking about like, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, Oscar and he's on Prozac now. He's no longer a grouch. Uh, yeah. So he's <laughs> lost his job. Like, I'm like, oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. So I could have leaned into more of that stuff and leaned into they had puppet on human action kind of stuff. You know, there were right. times where, the, you know, interspecies whatever, I guess, is going on. <laughs> but it, it was pretty good. Um, also, a thing that was pretty damn good and I did remember a lot was that theme song we can sing and dance and we don't need pets we were just like you we can regulate jobs just with low going off we were just like you yes we graduate from art like the head of my class but if it is sobriety I ran out bad there's no strings attached and there's no head of my we're drunk a nice little kind of variety show it's kind of silly yeah. i liked it kind of it, it's kind of reminiscent of family guy in its yeah. style but it's yep. still it's still fun it is it is and so yeah i uh, i ended up watching three episodes for this so i kind of technically only watched three episodes but my son continued to watch the entire <laughs> season all the way through so like the whole season was kind of on in the background for yeah. the rest of the day, uh, but he did not stop. He watched the oh, he wow. he watched the entire thing all the way through. I actually, and this hasn't happened in a while, John. But I did remember some of that, particularly that episode one. Um, but some of the other stuff, I haven't had a show on here where I want to finish it. But this is such a small amount. I'm right. going to watch the rest of these. I thought yeah. they were fun. I thought it was funny. I really enjoyed it. Seth Green is good. Eugene Levy is fantastic. Sarah Silverman's funny. Like I love the actually it's, it's really a lot of the other characters. Bob Gunton is yeah. hilarious on this show. <laughs> he <laughs> He's is just a crotchety, crotchety asshole. Yeah, um, but the, I love Count Blah is one of my favorites as well. Him and Warren the Ape. They actually had yeah. a a spinoff for a little bit on IFC, having a show called Warren the Ape, like like years later. Yeah, but he was hilarious. And and so even some of like the tertiary characters, like yeah. Susan the monster. Who's a who's a full size yes. monster with a deep voice, but she's a woman, and it's funny because they'll the you know the thing is they'll have they'll have Susan standing next to the other women talking about women things, but she's played by a man with this yeah. really really deep gruff voice. Tardy the turtle, which yeah. I didn't realize until much later that I was Tardy. like, oh, Tardy that he's that he's late. No, 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 not that he's late. Yeah. he's slow and i was like oh now that's definitely not a pc name nowadays but yeah he graduated at the head of his class that's in the song oh <laughs> uh, yeah tardy you're right i love that <laughs> but like man the they were all such fun characters yeah even like the uh, almost meta thing of them working on a tv show mm-hmm. was fun eugene levy as kind of the create wackadoo director yeah oh was perfect i forgot i mean first of all when i watched it i immediately remembered everything yeah like i'm like okay i definitely watched this for a a lot when i was younger because i remembered everything i had so much fun going back over this i probably could go back and watch it again because i'm sure my son would be like let's watch it again and he would watch the whole thing again 
Cool. Yeah, and I plan to as well. For everyone out there, um, on Tubi, you can get all the IFC shorts and all that stuff. That's on Tubi. But I had to go to YouTube. But luckily, YouTube has, like, there's a playlist of all the the Fox shows. Okay. So you can get all the Fox show on YouTube. And, and if you want more, go to Tubi for the IFC stuff. So, uh, But I will be continuing. And I'm excited that you kind of <laughs> reintroduced this to me. Yeah. And if you've never if you've never seen it, you have to go watch it. You have to go watch it. Damn good. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by they're squirmy and wormy and purple and green. The grossest little creatures that you've ever seen. Creepy clawers. Fill the monster mold with the colored plastic goop and make a creepy crawler from a yucky monster soup. They're ucky, yucky, squirmy, wormy, very scary, sometimes hairy, squiggly, wiggly, creepy crawling. Creepy clawers. Gross out your sister, embarrass your dad. You can be a little creep without being bad. Creepy crawlers workshop with plastic goop. All right. Well, now let's do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Tremors using actors of today. And we got a big old list because yeah. my initial thought was, hey, we'll just we'll cast everyone in the town because it's a small town. Not me not remembering that there were a lot of people in the town. <laughs> so we are going to cast Val, Earl, Rhonda, Bert, Heather, Melvin, because why not? Walter, Miguel, Nancy, and Nestor. Just because I was like, at some point, I was like, I, I could take some of these people off, like some of the last few, but then then that'll be like the only couple from the town we didn't cast. So we might as well just cast the whole town. Eh, fuck it. Let's do it. Yep. All right. So we'll go backwards, starting with Nestor. And Adam, you can start us off. Sure. So Nestor is, he, he barely does anything. He just, he's there to die. Yeah. And so you can put anybody in the role, I feel. I ended up just picking a guy who I honestly i he deserves a bigger role than this because i love him that's in the, the sh- i picked a guy who i think probably deserves a bigger role yeah. but you know what i think he would have I'd, I'd have fun watching him die and i'd have fun just seeing him as a as a secondary kind of character here i loved him in the show barry anybody who doesn't go watch barry i just want to throw out my high recommendations for that show uh and this guy is one of the side dudes in that show he plays noho hank and I think he is just a fun side character. I'd love to see him in this role. Anthony Kerrigan is my Nestor. That sounds familiar. You've seen he him. In, looks he's been familiar. in more and more stuff recently. But I think he's uh, he was in Bill and Ted Face the Music, which I'm was not going to hold that against him. <laughs> uh, he was in Gotham. He played Zaz in Gotham. Did you ever okay. watch that show? No, but I mean, he looks like he could play a Zaz. Yeah, but he's hilarious in Barry. Absolutely drop dead hilarious. And so I okay. think you know in this kind of comedy show, comedy horror kind of thing, I think he'd be great. Cool. Uh, I think you probably casted a more realistic actor. Okay. <laughs> kind of a you know a good side character actor. I picked a guy who has done quite a few things, but he's mo- he mostly is known for kind of being the lead in a show. He was actually only a lead for one season of the show. And then it kind of went off in a slightly different direction. But he kind of has that same kind of look. I could see him just throwing on like a trucker hat or something like that and kind sure. of rednecking him up. Uh, I went with Jimmy Simpson 
who was kind of the oh. lead on the first season of Westworld. Yes, Westworld. I also know him from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's he's solid. He is a. I see him doing yeah, like the dramatic stuff with Westworld, and then he's great with comedy and Always Sunny. Uh, he is a very versatile actor. I think that's a great call. Okay, cool. And he he also I agree does he deserves more. You know he's <laughs> he's perfect as a fun side guy in Always Sunny, and so I know he's down for that kind of stuff and he's hilarious in it um but you know yeah just one of those actors you want to see more sure uh all right well, let's move on to nancy who'd you pick for nancy uh my nancy you, you gotta have some kind of motherly vibes my actress is again probably too big for this role uh, but i don't know she hasn't done a whole bunch recently and not especially not since her kind of long-running show ended i don't feel and so maybe she can have a fun bit as a side role in this kind of film and she's old enough now to where she kind of can give the motherly vibes i went with anna paquin as my nancy okay i'm uh, listen i'm never gonna say no to anna paquin um yeah you know she's 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 like 40 or something now which is definitely enough to have like a, a 12 year old kid oh yeah 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 oh and yeah so like I think I mean she can, and then she can do the southern because I'm going to keep mine like in like kind of like the rural sticks. You got you have sure. to to keep them secluded. Although and I think there, she, she there's can, no southern accent in Nevada, but well, so for mine, sure, sure, <laughs> I'm making it happen. Okay, fine. She moved from the south. I don't know. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't uh, care. Yeah, I'm I'm never going to say no to Anna Paquin. So okay. Uh, sure. I also honestly I probably pick someone who's. Maybe a little bit too big for this, but also she hasn't done too many big things. She's actually mostly kind of known as always kind of being a, a side, usually comedic character. Okay. Not as much comedic ne- needs in this film, but it's still fun to see her. Uh, I went with Judy Greer. Oh, yeah. I love her. I mean, from Archer, from so many things also, you know, reoccurring in uh, Always Sunny, but like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arrested Development, love Judy Greer. I think she's yeah, and she's done some dramatic stuff too. So she's actually she's become a really she is a strong actress, and so I yeah, she could see her doing whatever is needed. So, cool, great call. Uh, all right, uh, Miguel, who survives all the way through, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he does. does actually makes it all the way through. Uh, I'll go and mine will. I don't know. I, I, I think honestly, I think I might have more people die in my version. You gonna you gonna kill a little girl? No, not Mindy. Not the girl from Angus. I would never. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with mine. I definitely overcast my Miguel. Uh, I was trying really hard not to use Michael Pena. I was trying really hard not to use Michael Pena because that was my first instinct was to go with Michael Pena. Uh, so I didn't uh, with another actor who is uh, – he's done both. He's done serious. He's done comedic. He's probably too big of a name. Um, but he's older now, so he he doesn't quite have like the the thinning hairline that that the mm-hmm. same Miguel had. Uh, but I went with Benjamin Bratt. Okay, Benjamin Bratt, and I've seen him do all types of stuff. Movies kind of like this. So wasn't he in was he in Anaconda? I, mean, uh, I might be thinking of someone else, but I don't know. Yeah, I I, I like Benjamin Bratt. Most people know him for Miscongeniality, but I yes, never really no, I've seen that. him in, in a lot of. I mostly know him for Demolition Man. De- yeah, of course. Yeah, he was <laughs> funny. So so that's a good call. So I was trying not to use Michael Pena. I was trying not to use Michael Pena. And then I said, fuck it. I'm using Michael Pena. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I overcast it as well. Because he would be, he, we know him from like the Ant-Man movies. He's great as a side character. Yeah. He is way too big for it. 
And you know what? You know, I, like I said, maybe he dies in this one because I think you got to have a little, maybe even a little bit more stakes. May, you know what? Maybe you give him the option. Maybe that's something that draws him in. So you know what? If you want to have a gruesome death, we'll let you yeah. know. We'll draw, we'll write into the script. If you want to live, we'll make we'll let you live because he's already yeah. lived in the original. So now, if you just want to add a gruesome death, then yes. fine. Let him have you know. If he wants Could to be fun, well, he wants to overact to death. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, Walter. I'll go again because I kind of did you twice, and then I'll. Oh sure, I'll start. Uh, so I pretty much kind of knew exactly who I was going to pick right out of the gate. I've this actor is I think starting to make some waves. He's a can I'm pretty sure he's Canadian. I'm sorry, I'm pulling up his information as I okay. He's South Korean, but I'm pretty sure he lives in Canada right okay. now. But uh, he had uh, a TV show that it did for several seasons called Kim's Convenience. But we know him as Captain Karzateva from the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett series. I went with uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee. He was literally the other name I put down. Okay. I, I was looking around and I saw him and I was like, oh, you know what? You would be a good Walter. He, but I ended up going with someone else. But I okay. love that call. Okay. Because, I mean, he's, his, his in the Mandalorian, he's, it's not very comedic. But I've, I've never seen a full episode of Kim's Convenience, but I've seen a ton of clips of him yeah. and he's really super funny in that cool. in that show so i think it's a good call i like i said he is literally the only other name that i went with until i was like you know what i like this other guy maybe just a tad bit better he is my guy's much older um he's like in his 80s right now oh, um, but okay. he he's i think he has got a great mix of walter is such a unique guy yeah <laughs> i think this actor that i've chose could definitely bring that uniqueness just by being on screen and because you know him already, and he's got great comedy chops, I went with George Takai as my Walter. Uh, that is George Takay. Takay, sorry, I went with George Takay. I, I remember because his saying is, "It's okay to be Takay." Okay, thank you. That's how you. That's how you remember it. <laughs> no problems with with you know George. Are you are you going to make him say his his catchphrase in the, in What's the movie? His, Oh my! Oh. Uh, probably at some point, okay. of course. I feel like you have to. Which actually isn't really a catchphrase. It's actually that whole thing came about uh, because of a, a visit with the Howard Stern show. Oh, okay. So like he was he was on the Howard Stern show promoting like a play he was in. He'd never yeah. been there. He didn't know who he was, and so he was. Uh, Howard Stern said something you know horrible, like he always does. And George Takei, his genuine reaction to what he said was, "Oh my!" From then on out. The Howard Stern show used that clip because it was theirs. They owned it. Anytime uh-huh. something we, you know, anything something you know, so, yeah, outrageous yeah, yeah. happened, something like that. So that's how he, that kind of became his his uh, yeah. catchphrase. Uh, uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe that'll be like his death line. You know, <laughs> oh my, is he's dying gruesomely. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Sure, love it. Uh, Melvin, I know we hate doing you know, yep. casting. I, kids, I didn't but think much about this one. I didn't think much about this one either, but go ahead and tell me who you cast. Uh, also, uh, I w- we never we never meet Melvin's parents, do we? I don't think we do. I have no it, idea who his parents are. No, I, like I think I think they're gone somewhere. Could be, but he's a teenager, so they just kind of left him. But like, because mm-hmm. he at first I used to think that Nestor was his father, but he has no response when Nestor dies. <laughs> so yeah. it's like they can't be. <laughs> that can't be him. So I think I, maybe they address it, and I just didn't notice it. But he's definitely there alone at the yeah, time. It s- seems like it. Yeah. So. All right. Who was your Melvin? 
All right, uh, my Melvin, uh, he hasn't been in a lot of stuff, but I was looking for kids at like a certain age. I wanted kids who were like in that 16 or something, I think, maybe less than that. I think, I think maybe, no, maybe my guy's 15 years old. I don't know. But he's in like that teenage, you know, teenager uh, age that uh, would be annoying, just like what Melvin was. And this kid is on a show that I think is kind of annoying, but people love it. I think it, I don't really care about it, and it's called Euphoria. Uh, and this kid plays Ashtray. His name is Javon Walton. I think he could play an annoying kid. I tried watching Euphoria once, and I was like, this is not good. This is boring. Uh, so I didn't care for it. But but also, I didn't you know, go on, but yeah. Oh, is that, the, also- is that the one with uh, Zendaya? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. So it, it isn't good? I I didn't like... The, at least I didn't like the first episode. Okay. I saw the first episode. I was like, this is not enough to drag me back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Uh, he's a kid. He's a kid. <laughs> he, was in he was in the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, so he's got some experience. Hey, he's a kid. Right, uh, I went with a older actor, actually, in his late 20s, but he looks young enough. I'm like, he, sure. Melvin can be like late teens or something maybe or maybe mm-hmm. melvin is like 18 and actually lives by himself or something like that i don't know sure um but i really liked this guy's uh performance in the last of us so i threw him in here and i went with an actor named lamar johnson and and that is another show i've got to watch i mean I, from you from everyone else i've heard how good it is so i need to uh need to check it out so if you've seen him in that show and you liked yep. him in that and i'm i'm all good with it yeah it's a, it's a heavy show you know yep. it's a heavy I, show I heavy but it, it's worth it all right let's get to the good stuff heather did you cast a country star to keep with the theme I did. I felt like I need. I, I, mean, I did didn't too. have to, but I did. I did too. I felt like I had to as well. Who did you pick? Maybe it was the same one. Maybe. Um, you know, she's right around. I think the forty age, uh, and I think that's kind of what a vibe I was getting around, like kind of that forty-ish age from Heather Burt. Maybe like you know mid forties or, or or even older if needed. Uh, but she's done minimal acting. Mm. Um, but when I think of kind of like you know around that, I think. I went with Carrie Underwood as my Heather. Okay, I looked at Carrie Underwood, um, okay. but because she hadn't really done a lot of acting, I decided yeah. not to go with her for that. I get that. You know, it, it's hard to say because obviously this was Reba's first one, and to us, sure. she, I think she crushed it. Yeah. Um, but to me, like looking at it, it was like it just it wasn't enough. Sure, I get, to, I get it to do it. Um, so I went with someone who's actually she's done. A little bit. She had done a little bit of acting, but she is currently on a TV show now, okay. uh, and that show—it's whatever it is, eighteen something. It's the it's the uh, it's the Yellowstone prequel. Oh, the uh, ke- with Kevin Costner's in it. No, Kevin Costner's in Yellowstone. The prequel oh, okay. has to do with his family, and it stars real life uh, husband and wife Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. So I okay. chose Faith Hill. All right. Well, then that's cool. If if yeah, she's been doing more acting, I think that's probably a probably a better call. I just I was looking. I was like, the only the only other person who was who was at one point country who's done any kind of acting at all that I could really find was Taylor Swift, and I wasn't going to go down that rep. No, no, cats again. (laughs) She would have been a terrible call for Heather. I agree. She looks too young. Yes, even though she's like thirty something at this point. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's mid thirties. Okay, Bert. I actually really like my 
choice for Bert. I actually think I made Bert a little bit like too not necessarily buff, but like tough. Like he's a okay. tough looking actor. And maybe I didn't quite make him rednecky enough, but <laughs> I this guy he's a good actor, so I think this would work. I went with Stephen Lang. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, so yeah. Stephen Lang is very tough. Like, holy shit. <laughs> he could intimidate the shit out of those graboids. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've, I like Stephen Lang. Uh, he, I could see him in that role. Um, he definitely could have like the, you know, he has the vibe of, you know, he served time in the military and now he's a, you know, he's a doomsday prepper kind of guy. Right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who did you pick? Yeah, my guy, I don't think he's not too much like uh, Michael Gross, but I think he is a phenomenal actor. Um, and I kind of think he could do comedy stuff enough. Uh, he mostly doesn't do comedy. He mostly does all drama stuff. And he actually does mostly, uh, he does a lot of, I think, like um, some Mexican soap stuff as well or things like that. Hmm. But I saw him and he was so intimidating and just great in Better Call Saul as Lalo. I went with Tony Dalton as my Bert. I recognize that name. I think I've seen it as you I... would see. He was in Hawkeye. Oh, he was yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the uh, the stepdad or whatever. Yes, exactly. But in, in Better Call Saul, he is phenomenal. Cool. And so that's kind of how I how I how I pulled him for this. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that thinking Hawkeye, but I will I will take your recommendation on Better Call Saul. Plus, okay. I mean that you know that show is winning Emmys, isn't it? Oh uh, so. yeah, it has. It, it's it's great. I mean, honestly, I don't know if I could tell you if Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul is better. Like, okay. they are that, it's, it's that good. It's, like, right up there with it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, no problems with that. That cool. looks good. Uh, all right. Rhonda. Uh, I'll start with this one. I may have gone t- actually too young for Rhonda, but she was supposed to be a college student. Um, yeah, like, mid, you know, if as long as they can play, like, mid-20s, I think that, that fits. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's, that's what I went with. Yeah, I actually don't even know how old this actress really is she just looks really young and i think mm-hmm. that's that's maybe my problem Let's see if i can find out what they say da, 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 da. okay uh she's 20 okay so yeah. not quite like a not quite old enough to be a uh a grad student but mm-hmm. eh, whatever uh yeah, whatever. i think i've cast her before in in a few things um uh but i was really impressed with her her role in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I went with Sophia Lillis. Okay. It was also in It. Which I, I've heard that as good as you said. I don't know her all that well, but I could, I mean, she does have, she's got a similar enough look, you know? I could see that. She's got like that kind of girl next door look that uh, Rhonda had in it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know her stuff, but uh, I had, you know, I did see It. Also, she kind of has to have like the sort of unconventional beauty because, because sure. uh, Val has that list that he, he really likes, and you kind of have to go against that grain. Yeah, yeah I agree. All right, who did you pick? Uh, and There are actually two other people who I think I like better for what my pick is, but I'm not choosing them because of who my Val is. Okay. And I can explain that later if need be. Uh, so I went with an actress who actually I think it does kind of fit more in the conventional beauty because she is very, very beautiful lady. But you know what? Leave it to the wardrobe department to frump her up give her the <laughs> she's all that treatment as i said put some glasses on her and make her look right. like a nerd <laughs> uh and i haven't really seen much of this show but it is a widely popular show it's been on 
for since 2017, 127 episodes. She's been on that show, Riverdale, and they deal with supernatural stuff on Riverdale. Uh, she plays mm-hmm. Veronica. I went with Camila Mendez. She's 29 right now, or will be 29 probably by the time this episode airs. Uh, I, I think I'm hoping that she could uh, she could do it. Oh, she is gorgeous. Yeah, she's a gorgeous woman. Um, but I frump her up, frump her up. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen a single episode of, uh, Riverdale. No, nor I, but I know it has to do with supernatural stuff. So she's can deal. She's dealt with like having to probably act against weird monstery type of things or stuff like that. So sure. that's my hope. Cool. Uh, all right. Earl, who did you pick for Earl? I don't know if you're going to like my Earl. I thought of some other guys who actually would also be good, but again, my Valentine, who I'm very happy with, I don't want to change my Val, and I don't want to do a reunion show, of which I'll explain in a bit. But I think this, I mean, this is an actor that I don't think you're going to shit on because you've seen him do everything under the sun between intense comedy to very good drama to very adult-oriented stuff, as in not that kind of adult, you know what I mean. I got you, I got (laughs) you. And honestly, I don't know what it was. I couldn't get Django Unchained out of my head. I went with Jamie Foxx as my Earl. He, okay. He, I don't I don't hate that. Yeah, he, he can kind of be like a gruffer mentor kind of type. I mean, he's even had to sure. do it in... There was that recent Robin Hood with Taron Egerton. He played uh, Morgan Freeman's character. I can't remember the name, but... Um, oh, a sneeze? Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, that one. Uh so yeah, I think I mean he he can, you know, he can do a lot of different types of stuff and if you need to if you need to pull into some comedy stuff, he can do that. You need to pull into the drama, he would do that. So. Sure. I'm more than willing to give him a shot on something like this. Okay. I think he's been doing I it seems like he's been doing a lot of serious stuff. I'd like to see him do Yeah. Yes. Get back into some that's comedy. What, that's also kind of what I was thinking. He's done a lot of serious stuff recently. Let's pull him back a little bit to his comedy roots. Okay, well, I probably picked someone who probably was a little too serious, uh, and but uh, honestly, I kind of picked him because he's on a kind of western centric show right now, and he plays kind of a tough guy on there. Um, but he's kind of got the he's kind of got the the right look for it. He's been around for a while. He's been in, he was in Days Con- Days and Confused. He was in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, he was in one of the Fast and Furious movies, uh, but he is currently. Uh, on the show Yellowstone, I actually wow. pulled from Yellowstone for this one. Uh, I went with Cole Hauser. All right, I do not recognize him, but I like his look. His look, I think, fits it. And if he's got some, yeah, westerny kind of stuff, yeah, I went with more of like uh, some kind of comedic horror background. You went with more western background. I think all that fits. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some of the stuff. I saw Too Fast, Too Furious. I saw Goodwill Hunting. Uh, he's done some good stuff, and yeah, and he's in quite a bit of Yellowstone. So sure. I like it. I think it's a good looking call. Okay. Uh, all right. Val. That's all we got left. Yep. Uh, I had the hardest time with Val. Uh, kind of recapturing that mm. that same sort of goofiness that Kevin Bacon brought to it. Finding someone who really fit that. I, I just had a hard time. And I think I settled on an, in, a, a good enough actor who could do it. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm entirely sold on it. Maybe I'll be more sold on your choice. We'll Maybe. see. I went with Miles Teller. That was the first name I wrote down. But oh, okay. I, honestly, but I couldn't use him because I didn't want to use him because I had just used him in another casting recently. And so, okay. but he gives Kevin Bacon vibes. I absolutely yeah. think he gives Kevin Bacon vibes and I like that. So I, I think it's okay, a, that cool. is a good call. 
Okay. All right. Well, who did you pick then? I, I went with another guy who does... He, he's not as big of a name. He hasn't been leading movies like Miles Teller has been. Um, but I do think he has kind of like that eh, somewhat silly, goofy, almost awkward feel that Kevin Bacon does. And he had a very popular horror show that has some comedic elements, but um, it was a huge show. And that's why I didn't cast... I was thinking Natalia Dyer... Uh, for my Rhonda at one point, she is uh, also from Stranger Things. And then actually, ultimately, I really liked Maya Hawk because she's kind of more of that unconventional beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And she, I think you pull that. But then that's why I didn't go with her because I was like, I don't want to do just the same thing that Stranger Things is because I was actually even thinking David Harbour would be good for Earl at one point, too. Um, oh, yeah. He, he'd be good for that, too. And so part, part of me, I was like, you know what? Let's just do fucking Stranger Things all over again, but turn it into <laughs> the cast for, for Tremors. Would that Tremors. be fun? Uh, but no, I went with... Uh, Joe Keery as my Val. I think he would be. He's. I get. I definitely get the the Kevin Bacon style from him. So he plays. Oh, he plays Steve okay. in the show. I think he's. I mean, he's someone that you hated in the first season, and then you just love him and his dynamic. Uh, you know, with with multiple different characters later on, he's awesome. Okay. Yeah. He's thirty. He's about the right age. Yep. About the right age. He's got yeah, the- Kevin Bacon feel. He's been doing kind of you know maybe maybe this the nostalgia side of Stranger Things that kind of tie me him with in with him and and the Bakes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'd be fun. I like that. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Uh, all right. That was our recasting of Tremors. Please join us next time for another album review. John and I take you higher as we discuss the Creed album human clay if you have any questions or comments you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com and if you want to suggest a movie or tv show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blastpastcast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.